Hello, welcome to the Folk Podcast, episode 56, where we've already had to restart once because Ian's internet decided to just not exist anymore, and he ended up looking the passion, like the Passion of the Christ. But it's okay, we'll Photoshop that later and make it really funny. But we're not here to talk about the Passion of the Christ, we're here to talk about filthy heathenry. And so today, we're going to be talking about oaths and oath rings. Why can't I speak oath and oath rings? Today is already a curse episode, I can already tell. We're talking about oaths and oath rings today. And the reason we're talking about this is because I actually had, I have a video coming out this week as the time of this podcast being recorded, calling uh, basically saying my struggles with altar spaces, but also my struggles with the uh, with uh, oath rings. And so we decided to go ahead and talk about that as a group and kind of discuss it and build upon that a little bit more. Um, so I do want to go ahead and start with just basically what we know historically, and it's basically nothing because I've only done one video on oath rings back in the day. And essentially my conclusion was, is that we know very little. Now we do know that objects that appear to be arm rings exist within the Viking age and pre-Viking age. Um, but we don't know if they actually were for oaths necessarily. We do see that oaths were important and that the swearing of oaths were important, but we just don't know if that these arm rings and the oaths were tied together officially or not and to what extent now that doesn't mean that nowadays it isn't synonymous with one another and the, ba the, the biggest thing for that it was definitely the vikings tv show uh solidifying that oath rings were a thing and so now they're kind of here to say but it doesn't change the fact that oaths are important so with that gentlemen i want to toss it off to you we have all the co-hosts here today and uh just like hearing about your experience with oaths and oath rings and what they kind of mean to you all right, now that my internet hopefully won't crap out, <clears throat> I can, I'll start as usual. Um, just to start out, I mean, the my biggest piece of advice for just everybody is that oaths, like swearing an oath and buying an oath ring or anything like that is not mandatory. I think I think a lot of people, because of Vikings and stuff like that, feel this this need and, and drive to, oh, I have to swear an oath to, to, to something or to someone like right out of the gate like no homie that's not like you have to be careful about what you do and like what you swear an oath to and for and etc you know I've been in the practice going on almost 10 years now and I've I made my first oath last year around this time for the first ball gathering you know and it's, it's something that I took a lot of consideration and a lot of thinking about doing, um, you know, and, and how it would be worded and to what, to who, et cetera. You know, it, there's a lot of, a lot that goes into it. You can't just, I mean, you can, it's not recommended, but you can't just go get an oath ring off of Amazon and then go and swear an oath and, you know, not, think about it and just do it because that's going to potentially turn around and bite you in the ass. Because like you said, oaths are a very serious and real thing. You know, it's, it's not ideal to swear enough to something that you can't uphold and then you end up breaking it. It's just, it's not, it's no bueno. Um, you know, and the kind of going on the oath rings themselves, you don't have to have an oath ring or swear an oath on an oath ring. Oaths can be sworn on essentially anything that you have that you hold as some sort of value to you. You know, I know people in the in the wisdom of Odin community that have sworn oaths on their mjolnirs or other pendants um, that they have, uh, or even like uh, you know, just items that are very 
important to that individual. So you don't have to have an oath ring. Like, yes, aesthetics, okay, cool, we get it. Vikings obviously did it. And yeah, we have some very little, you know, historical aspect of that oath. Like, great arm rings were a thing, but what they were primarily used for is, you know, still kind of out there. But that's my my start for this topic. Well, I'm still thinking about it. I didn't want to bring up, like we mentioned that you can swear oaths on just about anything. Uh, one of the few accounts that we do know about uh, people swearing oaths onto something was uh, during, I forget the exact saga, but it's uh, talking about a you know, Yule feast. And one of the things they talked about was swearing oaths onto a, like a hog before they ate it. Like that was a thing they would all put their hands on like the hog and basically swear oaths for the fall coming year. And I think that's interesting because it shows that it's, it doesn't need to be something that's permanent. You know, they would eat that hog afterwards, but they swore the oaths on there, then they nourished their bodies. So we do have evidence of oaths being sworn on different objects. Yeah, I definitely think the, the idea of oath rings obviously is very, has come strongly from the TV show Vikings, just because it's, you know, it's in it quite a lot. There's quite a few different instances in that throughout that series where somebody swears an oath on their armband and et cetera. Um, you know, obviously for modern day practitioners, it's become kind of like a, a staple of some sorts. And, you know, I get it. I mean, obviously I can't knock it because I have one, you know, I have an oath ring with two oaths on it <clears throat> at this point, but, you know, it took me 10 years, almost 10 years of practice before I felt confident and comfortable with doing such a thing. Again, always take your time with things. Don't rush it. It's a recurring theme. But no, seriously, though, like as far as like oaths and oath rings go, you, you take your oath seriously. And I mean, we, we can obviously say take your time with the oaths and, and everything like that. And it's up to you to heed that advice or not. Um, because the oath itself to me is more important than what you do swear on because like you were saying Ian you know so many different people in the community have used different objects that are important to them so obviously the oath ring part isn't it as important and you know I th I'm a firm believer if you, you can have one of these oath ring bracelets or whatever you want to call it and not have any oath on it at all and wear it as jewelry uh, I don't see anything wrong with that because, we, you know, we know the Vikings wore them and we don't know if they swore oaths to them or were given them by their lords or yarls or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's just more importantly is the way you word and frame the oath is important because, Jacob, you have that story you bring up anytime oaths are mentioned about that uh, – was it the guy or, or something like that? I would assume it was a guy from like, yeah. you know, this was a while ago. Yeah. Like, well, I remember you saying he swore an oath to Odin to change the world before he would like marry or have sex or something or another. Before like he could have sex. Yeah. Before, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, something like that you might want to think about before you do because you got to impact the world. You know how hard that is? Very few people on this planet who've ever walked it have affected the world so an oath like that i would never make just if you're still out there and you're still listening to this podcast sorry we keep reaming you but that was a stupid idea don't do that kids um but i hope you've changed the world by now so you can finally have sex <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's you know that's what i mostly want to drive home on my end is what is the oath you are willing to make and to who it is and, and it doesn't even matter if it's a god it could be 
to a fellow pagan or sibling or whatever. You know, your word is important, and that just goes beyond oaths. Anything you say or do, your your words have meaning. I feel like the uh, the importance of it falls more on the actual aspect of the the oaths itself, because if you go back to looking at like historically, and even before the Viking Age, I mean. You could only ever really take somebody at their word. And if you couldn't trust their word, you couldn't trust anything of them, you know. Uh, and just building off of that, it's, you know, you have to be, you know, as everybody else said, you have to be careful with who you make an oath to and what you make the oath about. Just like myself, I've only, you know, I've been a pagan for what, two, yeah, like a little over two years now. I like I only have one oath and the only oath I have is to protect the folk of, the, of our community and I stand by that oath no matter what it is or how far I have to travel I'll I'll hold it up because it's the the only one that I have but uh, I've thought about others but it'll be a I feel like it's gonna be a long time before I do another because that's a lot of uh, most of uh, it's a lot of commitment to put in one. I mean, I still have this conversation to this day with, you know, people all the time. Um, it's just, it, there's this, this, I mean, we talk about it already, patience. And so many people want to hop into things as soon as they get into this faith. And oath rings just happen to be that first thing they see. I think I mentioned in the video that the greatest travesty to the oath ring thing is that it's an episode one of Vikings season one. And they see that right away. If they anyone's seen Vikings and they want to get into Norse paganism, they're like, well, my first step is taking an oath because little baby Bjorn did it. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, calm down. Like, that needs to be something you do, you know, possibly years in advance, if not ever. It's not really something that was required of you. You know, it took me three or four years before I made my first oath. Um, and then I do have like, and it's, it goes beyond just oaths, it's promises as well. Like, you know, as a kid, how many of us as kids were like, your promise, we won't do that again. Or I promise I won't like go out at night again. Like how many times as a kid, we, we make false promises. Like, I mean, that's another thing we need to talk about too, because we do have young people that, you know, listen to the podcast that want to get Norse paganism is uh, I've had people message me. Um, usually, you know, younger. And they're like, I made a promise when I was seven, am I going to get in trouble? And it's like, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, like, I mean, just my, my first oath, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail to it because it is, you know, my own thing, but it, it originated from a promise, you know, and that's, that was, you know, I took that first step with that, you know, it wasn't just me thinking about, you know, and then committing to it directly from thought process, you know, to, to actually swearing this oath, it was you know, started out as a, as a promise sworn. And then I kept that promise and then I decided to take it the next step further, you know? So it, it, that's the thing. Yeah. It, it, I feel like, again, people just jump into things too early or too quickly without fully understanding the gravity of what they are potentially doing. You know, promises are one thing. Yes. Keep them obviously, especially if you're doing something regarding the faith, but oaths are on a whole nother tier of, uh, you know, of commitment and and just severity. Well, too, going off of what you're saying, Ian, and, and kind of what I remember Jacob bringing up in that video is a lot of people, I think, rush to oath rings and oaths like a baptism type of thing coming out of Christianity in our day and age. Because, you know, if you look at Catholics, Baptists, uh, Pentecostal, all, all these different faiths of Christianity, they all have a Baptist ceremony where you are baptized and reborn in 
and into that faith. And we're kind of in this modern society have gotten into that mindset to when we transition or begin our spiritual journey into something new that we need to be reborn again, as a, so to speak, because that's been something that's been done in, at least here in America for the last hundred years. So, you know, if you're listening to this video and you haven't made an oath or anything and you're new to this, then keep at it. Don't feel like you need to make an oath to prove that you're a pagan, especially a Norse pagan. The gods understand you're still starting your journey. You know, take your time with it. And like Jacob and Ian and both and Caleb said, you don't have to make an oath. You know, Ian was 10 years into the faith before he ever made his first oath. You know, it's something serious. Well, and I, um, I think we, I don't know if we said it already. You can just, you can have an oath ring or an armband just to have it. Like if you just want the aesthetics of it, hell yeah, just grab one. Cause I think it's another great thing that, I mean, I dress how you see me in videos. I don't typically dress in any form of way that makes me stick out. I wear gray t-shirts. I wear flannel and tan pants and shoes. Like I don't go out of the way. The only things that you can really tell that I'm a pagan is the arm ring I wear, my Mjolnir and my tattoos. And those are usually how people recognize that I'm into the faith. And so if you just want that symbol to say that, to make it look like you're in the faith, I think an armband is a really great idea. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the object you swear oaths onto to have one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, it's a great piece of jewelry. And for most jobs, you can wear an arm ring and it won't get in the way. I mean, unless you're a mechanic, I don't recommend wearing one because you might lose your arm. But, you know, for most things you go throughout your day and you know you can easily tell someone different because i don't know a lot of christians wear arm bands or anything like that unless they're like jesus bracelets well uh, i know personally for myself whenever i uh whenever i got mine i tried it on to make sure because i had mine forged from a guy on uh, on etsy um and it was i tried it on to make sure it fits so if it needed to i could send it back or mess and say hey i need a bigger one um but it did not, I know for myself, it didn't feel right until I made my oath, but I think it's because I didn't, I didn't plan on getting one until I had it in my head that I wanted to make an oath. Um, so that may, that could be a factor as well, but by all means, if you want to get one for the aesthetic of it, go for it. Ian, you got something to add? We've been doing a good round table here, so I just assumed you would hop in. <laughs> yeah, my, my internet's been acting janky again, so I was just, you guys sounded like robots to me, so um most of that i didn't catch because you guys sounded like robots but uh, as far as the aesthetic thing yeah i feel like it's it's a good way of kind of you know if you're gonna i feel like it's a good way to kind of branch away from that that overwhelming uh like mindset of oh i have to get a nose ring and swear an oath on it i feel like if a lot more people buy one you know or get one you know for the sake of wearing it it it, it kind of will guide people away from making potential mistakes you know i feel like it's a good way of kind of easing the 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 overwhelming uh almost expectation that once you become you know a norse pagan that you have to have an oath ring and you have to have an oath sworn on it you know i think that's i think more people realistically should do that because then at some point you know if you if you really feel like you need to you want to swear an oath to something then there you go. You have your oath ring. You've worn it for so long. You've already connected to that piece of, you know, that jewelry for however many years. So that way you already, you have it right there. And it is, you know, essentially part of you at that point. So I feel like 
it would add to the uh you know the 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 closeness or the more it it'd make it more personal and more you know a stronger uh connection i would say i believe, I believe we've said it before as far as like uh when it comes to newer people getting into the faith they kind of flock to trying to make oaths like uh like they do to um patron deities and ne neither of those are things that you should rush to or try to go out of your way to i kind of got into one early but that was because i kind of got claimed by one that was that's a whole nother story for another day but i mean i think like ian i think you've said in the past like you were what five six years in before you chose a patron or something like that i mean yeah so for me it was you know it was uh uh shoot i was it was shortly before joining or right shortly after joining the community in the discord you know so i'd already been about eight years in now i'd worked with scotty quite a bit you know and that was my initial thought you know i didn't really being a solar practitioner and with the information that i had you know come across and stuff like that like picking a matron or a patron deity wasn't really something that i was familiar with uh honestly, up until I joined the, the Discord and a lot of people were talking about that. And I was just like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. But, you know, it, was, it wasn't something that I necessarily felt like was needed to be, you know, broadcasted or announced or whatever, or like something that needed to be set in stone. Um, so yeah, it really wasn't until I, I became part of the community that I essentially, you know, had a, a patron or a patron, which I mean, is hell. It's funny that, you know, that's ultimately what it came to, but um, even then, like the major patron thing, it, yeah, swearing an oath to a deity is not, you know, necessary either. You don't have to swear really your, your fealty essentially to a deity, you just work with them. If you feel like you're called to a particular deity, work with them a lot. That's what I do with hell. I mean, I work with her you know, quite regularly, quite constantly, you know, and sometimes it's, I've gotten to the point where I don't do anything for a long period of time. And do I feel bad about it? Not necessarily, because I know there's probably something big that's going to come from it later on. But it, yeah, I feel like that's another thing, yeah, with a kind of involving O's is that people want to swear a, essentially fealty to a deity to show their dedication, which is, I think is kind of silly, you know, I didn't necessarily like when I, you know, quote unquote, took hell on as a, a matron deity, it, you know, I didn't swear like any sort of uh, oath to her. I made a promise, you know, to some degree to her or more of, of her as a witness, um, you know, which is what ultimately turned the promise that ultimately turned into my oath. But I didn't swear you know, that I would only work with hell and that's it, nobody else and et cetera, you know, because that essentially goes back to kind of what we talked about earlier with replacing certain aspects of Christianity, which a lot of people come from with things in Norse paganism, like the oath rings as a baptism, uh, you know, you're, uh, you know, committing to a matron or patron deity is almost like it, it, it makes it a, a polytheistic religion back almost into a, a monotheistic religion you know so it, it's it's one of those things that i think a lot of people kind of feel these needs these needs to replace old habits 
or our old way, uh, you know, ways of thinking from a, a Christian mindset, like I said, where, where most people come from. And they try to pick certain things that have just kind of been practiced or done for so long. It's kind of just the norm now um, that isn't necessary. You know, I know people that work, have worked with a deity for a long time and they haven't sworn any oaths to them. They haven't, you know, sworn any promises to them. They haven't claimed them as a, as a patron or a matron deity. They just say they are the primary deity that I work with, you know, so. Yeah, I was sitting down writing these notes. So it's interesting because uh, we as humans, it's our natural state is to categorize things because it's how our brains work to contain information because we receive so much information, especially in this day and age. In fact, I would argue that we're even worse about categorizing things now because we're you know so um, saturated with information nowadays. Um, so you know, I think when it comes to things like oath rings, it's no different because really what we're looking at with oath rings is you have five different things coming into play. You have the fact that we know arms rings existed, we know that oaths were important, but then we also combined it with the Wiccan and more new age religion idea of matron and patrons. And then we also have the things we don't think about and something like the baptism, you know, that's something that we're bringing into play. But something that I was thinking about during the duration of this conversation is we have to look at oaths outside of religion. I mean, oaths are a big thing in the world in general. I mean, they're even during the, uh, the feudal times, you know, knights swore oaths to the kings and the kingdom, um, you know, kings swore oaths to God. Um, you know, people still have to swear oaths of office. You have to swear an oath to be in a courtroom. Like oaths are important as, you know, just a global society and keeping one's word. And so all of these things are now like mixed together in this very strange idea of what we have now. And it's not just one idea. There's like a dozen different ideas that everyone seems to have. Um, and it can get really confusing, which is one of the reasons we wanted to have this episode is because there's a lot to digest. And really, I think as, as heathens, as Norse pagans, what we need to look at as what is what we know historically and what most people seem to do now. And historically, we know that oath rings, you know, oaths were important. We know that arm rings existed. And we know now that people are looking for that thing to, to signify they've started their faith. So I think, you know, really, you know, what I would argue is in order to start this faith, in order to take that first step, all you really need to do is make that first offering. I think that's really all you need to do. And then just go from there. I think, yeah, kind of going off of what you said, like, you know, looking at oaths from outside of, of, of a religious aspect is, you know, if you swear an oath, it affects the way that you live your day to day. And I don't think a lot of people realize that if it doesn't affect the way that you go about your your day-to-day -day life and your your changes your mindset on how you do things then right there you aren't fully committed to whatever that oath is you know what i mean like with mine with my first one you know i it, it affects how i interact with uh, with people in general it affects how i live my life you know so <clears throat> it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of people truly understand either. Like it, they have that level of an impact where it should change your mindset, change the way that you view, you know, the way that you live from that day henceforth kind of a thing, you know, but outside of the religious aspect of it or the spiritual aspect of it, 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 it should have a very realistic effect on how you live your life after that point if it doesn't then you know either you you know you just weren't committed enough to it or it wasn't worth making an o2 
or you just didn't take it that seriously. You know, going back to what you were saying, Jacob, with the history concept of taking O's in the Knights, it reminded me of an ancient, back whenever the uh, Three Kingdoms era of China, which is actual history, there was a general or a soldier called Lu Bu, and he was sworn oath to, like, someone who was a father to him. He was not really related, but because of his battle prowess, the general took him as a son. Well, then the lord at the time, one of the major lords named Dong Zhuo, uh, wanted Lu Bu to come to his side, and Lu Bu told him no, but then he offered him gold, you know, things of that, women, then a horse named Red Hair. And he, in to fulfill that oath, he killed his former general, brought him his head, and uh, then became the servant of Dong Zhuo under his tutelage. Then, when things got worse, uh, he killed Dong Zhuo and became his own like lord. And then whenever he got conquered, he finally was conquered by the uh, General Cao Cao. He pledged an oath to Cao Cao to fight for him, and, and Cao Cao said, no, why would I trust you? You done killed your prior two masters and that you both swore oaths to, basically. And that's kind of like a little story that I remember from the kingdom era, the three kingdom era, which is also romance of the three kingdoms, which is based off actual history. And But that's like the actual history part of it. All that reminds me of is in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they like there's I forget the episode, but they um, are like the gang is split into two groups and Mac is trying to play both sides. And like he goes up to like Dennis and D and he's like, hey, guys, I'm here to play both sides. How can I help you? And they're like, you just told us you're playing both sides. We're not like we're not going to take you. He's like, oh, I'll swear a blood oath. And he takes like a knife and just like cuts open his hand. And it was like the knife they were using to like, uh, you know, cut lemons. And he's like, oh, that burns. And he's like, here, shake my hand. They're like, we're not shaking your hand. You just told us you're going to double cross us. And then he like goes to like Charlie and Frank. And he's just like, hey, guys, I'm here playing both sides. Like, I'm going to swear an oath to you. And he grabs like Frank's toe knife and like cuts open the same wound. And they're like, oh, gross, bro. They're like, you just told us you're playing both sides. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Why things always come back to either Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Lord of the Rings? Because it's always those two things. Those are the answers to life. That's, that's <laughs> look, look, look. If, if that's just Jacob's go-to, if you do, if you can't find the answer in the Hubble Ball, it's either Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Lord of the Rings. Look, Always Sunny in Philadelphia turns a mirror on ourselves and magnifies that we're all just really dumb. <laughs> Because I mean, that's literally, it's such a dumb situation, like, you know, the, uh, that I just described, but that's like literally something that happens is people abuse systems and, you know, they abuse oaths and honor. And I think, uh, you know, not necessarily China, but looking at Japan is probably one of the most successful systems of honor code that existed. Obviously, there were still people that abused the system, but I would say like the retention rate, even among the people in the elite, the emperors was still pretty darn high. And, you know, people really live by their honor code, but they also held each other accountable for their honor code. And this well, is something that... I, I was just going to say, whenever... Sepeku is the punishment for, like, dishonorable. Like, 
yeah, you're going to kind of keep your honor. Right. Yeah. So uh, like far as the Japanese honor, honor code goes, um, you know, it, it lasted for hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. And this is something we would have probably seen within the Norse society as well, is a system of honor code. Now, was there, again, there was probably a lot of backstabbing. We see that there was a lot of infighting, but we also see that there was a lot of infighting because of the people had to keep to their O's, you know, because there was the, you know, uh, almost an eye for an eye system too. Like, if you killed someone's brother, they had the honorable right, and it was their duty to kill one of your siblings to to make up for that murder. And so there was definitely this like you know kind of cyclical nature to everything. Like, oh, if you you know rob someone's land, you had the right to go. They had the right to go rob your land now, and that was part of the honor code. And so it was a little bit more savage of an honor code, but it still was lived by. And you know that's one of the only things that unified. Uh, the people of uh, Scandinavia at that time was a sense of honor. And again, uh, you know, the only bad afterlife is for the oath breakers. Yeah, I think that's one thing too, that, you know, tying that into those who, you know, that that upholding another individual's oath. That's the other thing too. Like be, if you're swearing an oath, you know, it, it's something that I, you know, I've come to learn, you know, after swearing mine and not necessarily fully realizing it. Um, at the time is that every single person that was at that gathering who participated in around that that oath ceremony that was put on now essentially is tied into keeping me holding me responsible if i was to ever break that oath, my oath or you know if i was ever to if somebody was around and i was on the verge of breaking it or doing something that would potentially cause any sort of uh you know uh negative effect because of it every single person that was there has that essentially that i don't want to use the word duty but that that right to essentially what my ass if necessary you know and and prevent me from breaking that you know which is something i didn't necessarily realize at the time but looking back at it and kind of you know doing my own research on stuff like yeah that like that's another thing like be careful who you potentially swear an oath or who you involve indirectly with that oath right yeah well you you had it right with the right kind of like they're, they're supposed to help you stay honorable and keep you honor your honor clean in the sense they're oath keepers or brother keepers is how it would put in the old testament uh and that is just as important as the oath itself is the people who you involve with your oath. They, you want them to be people, you know, that care about you, that will make sure that you do your best to fulfill your oath or keep your oath, whatever it is. Yeah. Essentially I have what, how many people are at the gathering? 32, 32 people. That like could, that. Yeah. So there's like 32 people that if, you know, if they were around me at, a, at a, any point that looked like I was potentially going to infringe on that oath, could whip my ass that's kind of a terrifying thought to think about now and four it's, three of them are right here on yeah, right, podcast. watching you uh it's such a weird <laughs> thing because like there's a fine line with that because you have like that's literally what the mafia did but they did it you know a little bit more mafia style and they basically you know you would kill somebody to join the mafia and you would do it in front of other mafia members that way they would rat you out if you try to go against the mafia and so it's like you know that's too far but at the same time, when it just comes to upholding each other's oath, if you just, you know, swear an oath to, you know, just uphold the folk, you know, like, uh, like Caleb and, you know, protect the folk. And you have to have a choice between doing that and doing something for yourself. You know, we would have to be there to remind you, like, hey, remember what you swore your oath for and why. 
And I think that's very, that's, that's something that I definitely wanted to bring up is understanding why you're swearing an oath, because you have to get something out of it too. Now it could be direct or indirectly, like if it's, you know, direct as far as like, you know, food, money, whatever, or if it's indirect, like the oath itself keeps you from doing something that will harm you. And so, you know, making sure that you word things correctly and understand something in depth before you actually swear it and understand, you know, cause you don't want to get into an oath that really doesn't benefit you. <laughs> um, I guess as far as like, I guess since we brought up my oath on that, I guess like the way that I see as far as me getting something out of my oath is just the fact that when we, well, us, you know, creating and gathering this group of people together, you know, it's one of the, you know, it's been the best time of my life to be completely honest and just doing what I can to uphold it and protect it and make sure that it stays a good place for other people. That's what I get out of it. You better hope the wife doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> I don't think she listens to the podcast. She's not here. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't have any uh, crying babies. A baker could talk all the time. This is great. Yeah. This is the most I've talked on an episode in like, I don't know, 40 some odd. Yeah. Well, well just well, wait till you have another kid. Yeah, just, yeah. I'm just saying, watch. This is going to be the first episode his wife listens to. <laughs> Let's see what he talks about while I'm not in the house. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, Jacob's mocking me now. <laughs> that might make her want to kick your ass for a month. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, hey, I'm trying to take a bullet for her brother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so as far as like, uh, you know, towards the end of this episode, kind of talking about, have you guys had any issues or like self, like, you know, uh, you know, almost anxiety with O's where you're like, oh my gosh, am I feeling my oath? Like, you know, where are you guys, have you had any bad experiences with it that you want to share with anybody? Because, you know, I know people struggle out there with, you know, the importance of them, but also maintaining them because I feel like some people are so self-critical about it at the same time. I would say with my second one, because I'll go into a little bit more detail with that one. Um, essentially, it was just three different things to uphold to myself. It was kind of like it was a, it was a oath to myself to kind of maintain, um, you know, to to not let myself to stay true to myself and what I believe in and what I stand for, essentially. And there's there's three things involving it specifically. Um, but that's primarily the gist of it. And, you know, sometimes in, you know, in life, there are things that, you know, we either go through or do that. We kind of question like, wait, was this something that I would have potentially done? Or is this, am I staying true to myself? So, you know, it, it's, it, it's every now and then, yeah, like it, it can have that effect uh, on you. As far as my first one goes, you know, no, not really. Like that was a lot more intense, but I feel like the commitment level to that one has pushed me to just live the life that I, I live now without really worrying about if I'm making the right choice or if I made a mistake or anything like that. Plus I've done, you know, it's been a solid year since I've sworn that out, but I mean, every now and then I feel like there's going to be a, a time where just us as human beings are going to potentially look back at something and be like, oh, did I instinct, like just instinctively think about, did I make the right choice or am I going to mess this up? You know, I think it's just human nature. So I think I, I, think I can share this one because um, I think 
this kind of hits my point a little bit is I feel like I got myself into an oath paradox because I uh, swore to my dad when I told him about everything, um, you know, basically about the wisdom of Odin, my faith and all that stuff, uh, you know, it was way back before I think even the, really the YouTube started. Um, we were talking about how we, we can't tell my mom, which is one of the reasons, the main reason that my mom doesn't know is because we, we both just know that it would hurt her more than it would do any of us any good. And so I swore to him that I would not tell her as long as possible. And I also told him that like, you know, he basically has to let like be the one to tell me to tell her because it's like, you know, he's going to know when it's gone too far with her questioning what I do. Uh, you know, hmm, why does Jacob go to Germany? Why does he go to Colorado? Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? You know, it's like, hmm, you know, she's starting to question things. And so me and my dad were talking about it and he was like, I think we need to tell her. I'm like, are you telling me to tell her? And he's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, Okay, and we both just noticed that it's getting to the point where it's like we need to talk about it, but he's not officially said like you can tell her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand that feeling there, you know, because I, I have family members that just wouldn't understand it as well, Jacob, with the whole them being Christian and then me being pagan thing. Uh, it, it definitely something like that it's hard to tell like i mean like you said at least you, you have your dad there to like kind of talk with and balance it and be like all right well now is the time we need to tell your mom because you know you are traveling more you're growing this the podcast the channel everything's growing things are changing and so, i was recognized at jungle jim's hot sauce section so it's only a matter of time before some rando you know it's just like walks up to me is just like until the hall my mom's like why is he saying this <laughs> right right definitely i mean and i think there's going to be moments uh where our o's are going to be tested to you know make sure that it's true and, and they're you mean what you say you know i mean it's just that's just how fate destiny and everything works Uh, um, I myself personally, and y'all can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it's uh, as far as like how is your wife I calling? Call she her. know we're talking about her. Yeah, I will call her back after this. But um, myself, like the oath that I have as far as like protecting the folk and take and doing what I can to help uh, with the community. Um, I've not had anything that's made me feel like I've not carried through with it because like my, like my natural thing I, at gathers when we have things come up or like at the, the most recent fall, uh, fall gathering up in uh, Pennsylvania, when we had all those, like the spirits and all that going on out there, like my first thing is okay. Got to make sure people are safe, take care of that. Make sure nobody's going to have anything happen. Like last year getting chased by things out in the woods. Um, but uh, I've not had things where, I've ever had to question myself, like, I don't feel like doing what I can to make sure this person's safe. I've had things come up where I didn't know what was happening at a gathering, like at the um, the Charming of the Plow, until after the fact where I didn't realize it was as big of a thing as it was. And then I have been, why weren't you vigilant enough to see that this was happening and to see that this person was in distress and that this person was causing it, things like that. More like, uh, you know, why weren't you paying more attention to all these situations and why didn't you do something about it then just don't do something that you don't fully understand or that you you know the, honestly it, it's not like a rite of passage don't look at a don't look at oaths and oath rings and things like that well oaths let me just specifically say oaths buy an oath ring if you want it for the aesthetic that's fine cool do you boo but 
as far as swearing it out, don't look at it as a rite of passage. I think that's a big thing, is that people look at it as a rite of passage. Don't swear an oath to a deity to prove your your loyalty to that deity or whatever. You know, a lot of people do it. I'm sure a lot of people will probably get slightly butthurt because they've done it and I'm kind of indirectly calling out a mass amount of people. But, you know, that's not what they're about. That's not what oaths are about. It's not a rite of passage. If anything, it's it's a life-changing decision that you are essentially sworn to follow through to the end, unless it is something that obviously could, you know, it is either A, turns out to be something impossible, at which point, you know, then there is steps to backing out of an oath or modifying it, et cetera. Um, and then obviously if it could potentially put you in physical harm, you know, either death, even depending on whatever it is that you're doing, <clears throat> it, you know, there are, I don't want to say loopholes, but there are, are safeguards, you know, but that's why you, you should take your time and be careful with what you're doing and fully understand why you're doing it and what you're doing it for. That's my last bit of a, a spiel as I offend a vast majority of people that swore oaths to deities. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think you uh, the rite of passage thing is an interesting thing to kind of touch on because uh, rites of passage are a thing. Um, and I think that's something that we've seen in cultures all across the world, particularly, you know, pre-Christian uh, cultures all around the world. There typically is a male and female rite of passage. Um, and, you know, that's something that we've kind of lost in our modern era for better or worse. And so I think a lot of people are still seeking that. I think it's just something deep in our human soul that we, we seek that rite of passage. And maybe an American, you know, Americana, it's getting your car, getting your driver's license, you know, getting your first job, uh, having sex for the first time. Like we have all these goalposts that we, we put in ourselves because we want that rite of passage. Um, you know, I think that's why things like fraternities and sororities are still popular because often they have some form of rites of passage. And, you know, and if people's, you know, flair in life is going down the Norse pagan route, they're looking for that as well. And they're looking for that, that one thing to attach to, to be like, okay, what's my rite of passage here? And I would say that, you know, it kind of comes to you when you least expect it. Um, you know, like one of my rites of passage for me was at the Pennsylvania gathering uh, where I played a drum for three hours straight at a constant uh, rhythm of hundred beats per second. Um, yeah, that was ridiculously hard. I was bored at times. I was hungry. I was cold. I was getting bitten by mosquitoes and I still maintained it the entire three hours, uh, much to the dismay of the neighbors. And that for me was a big stepping stone in my shamanic work because it was a three hour long drum trance and it led to a really good ritual. And so that's just one of those things where it's like, that's not written in a book anywhere. No one told me I needed to do that. It's just one of those things that as I started doing it, I felt it. I was like, no, I need to drum for as long as I possibly can. And for me, that was a rite of passage, but no one's going to give me a medal. No one's going to give me a pat on the back. And I think that's a lot of times what we're missing is we need that person to give us that pat on the back. And a lot of the times we just don't get it nowadays. And so I think people look for things like oaths and oath rings for really that pat on the back. And one one thing I want to add on the end of that, just is because you brought up the uh, like the rites of passage thing. I'm curious what we'll come what we'll come up with as far as like as we have kids grow up in the community and things. Yeah. As far as like what would be a rite of passage? I mean, you know, hunting would be a rite of passage too. I think. Yeah, very good one. That's part. I think I feel like partially that's part of why I got into it growing up. 
Yeah. Throw them in the woods and see which ones come back. <laughs> they all have to come back, and we can't we can't lose any. Parts. What, what are we, we Spartans now? We're gonna just do the agogi over, just throw all of our kids uh, into the forest, and all right, go hunt something. It's live. it's come such a shame league. that we have such a gatekeeping problem in the world right now, and this definitely in Norse paganism and heathenry, because we don't need gatekeepers. We need um, mentors that can set those goalposts for people positively because i think it would be beautiful for our children if they wanted to learn more about odin to have some way for them to learn about odin in a positive way and do have a rite of passage for odin um you know it's just one of those things in the modern world that i'm not sure how it would be seen because i'm thinking of like you know caleb you did a nine-day fast and you know that's a really intense rite of passage that does feel really connected to odin and so i do think that if you know that would be a more advanced form of rite of passage for odin but that would be really cool if that could be more established in some way but right now it's just needs it's something that we have to do by ourselves um and again it's not something i i just don't know how the world would view that the same thing with my my drumming thing like what if i was like okay you know i'm you know at one point i want to teach people a little bit of shamanic stuff when i years down the line when i feel more comfortable with it and i'm like okay well i had to do a three-hour drum trance you need to do a three-hour drum trance or you know let's let's knock it up to 10-hour drum trance you know those were i think again people are seeking those rites of passage and again i think we live in a world that those have been kind of taken away from us and we need to find a way to bring them back in a positive way i agree with you completely there and I think it makes us feel more alive, you know, because, it, it, you know, again, you know, I'm going to go down the social media rabbit hole here, but I think social media gives, you know, is that false gratification we need. But what really feels like gratification is when, you know, Caleb, you and I and seven other guys climbed a mountain like mm -hmm. that felt better than, you know, 90, 95 percent of the other things I've ever done in my life. And I wouldn't have done that without Norse paganism. Gentlemen, we got anything else or is that our stopping point? Yeah. All right. I think that's, I think that's a good stopping point. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you so much for joining us for episode 56 of the Folk Podcast, where we talked about oaths and oath rings and other things. That rhymed. All right. So we're ending this episode. So if you want to be on the Folk Podcast, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. We're looking for more people to be on the show. Tell us what you want to talk about. Or if you just have a subject you would like to hear us talk about, please email us there as well. Well, thank you all very much. And until the hall. Scott. Oh, go. <laughs> that was close. Dude, you got me with that all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of freaking Kevin Hart.